Thank you very much, Pep. Come in, come in. We're talking live right, to the United guys, States of America. Hello. Thank you so much for joining My us. Pleasure. First of all, your overall emotion is what right now? Uh, first of all, congratulations, United States of America qualified for the World Cup. They did. <laughs> they did. <laughs> exactly, yes. So, congratulations. <laughs>
Yeah. Uh, they just fired the physio, too. Uh, so we'll see if that maybe stepped had, uh, had something away. to do with it. Stepped, stepped away, away, right, after uh, everybody family got reasons. a hamstring family, pull. Family uh, of reasons. course. That's a good time for the physio there to step away. Uh, one thing I think that's interesting is the club probably does bear some responsibility, right? Because with hamstrings, and you would know this better, it's not just a, an issue of, of kind of like how long it takes a guy to get back. It's really when do you let them come back? And now we have... Not one, but maybe two examples. If you want to go back to that game in February against Gladbach, where he came after over, he came off after just half an hour. We got two instances where maybe Giorena wasn't quite ready for Dortmund to rush him back. I also remember before the last international window, we heard Greg Berhalter talk about a conversation with Marco Rosa, where he said, "Yeah, the priority is for us to qualify. The second priority is to get this guy back to Dortmund." in decent shape. Well, they did that, and now Dortmund are the ones that, that haven't been able to hold up their end of the bargain in terms of keeping Reina healthy. Give me the player perspective here, Herc, because it's a it's a recurring injury. It's a hamstring. Those are those are tough to really kind of put your finger on. We hear muscle and tendon. Like, uh, what is the player going through right now, and is there anything he can do to, to kind of get out of this? All right, well, first off, we have to wait and see what the prognosis, diagnosis, because anytime you hear tendon, at least to me, that is scary. We heard muscle first, and it took five months. It took five months for Gio Reyna to come back. And even when he came back, there were cameo appearances. He's, he wasn't really back full strength and playing week in, week out. So when the word tendon gets thrown in there, we have to wait and see. But that is a little scary for me. Uh, and also, I know what you're saying. Um, but it goes back to what I was saying about learning from your body. Sometimes we have to protect the player from himself. Because as a player, all you want to do is get back on the field. That's all you know. That's where you feel comfortable. So when you've never been through through this type of injury, you yourself start doubting yourself. You start doubting yourself mentally, physically. You don't really know the procedure. You don't really know the outlines. You're just kind of going blind faith of what the protocol says you should do. But everybody's different. So uh, I will heed a little bit of caution here, especially a player now that this seems to be some sort of chronic thing. This is now the third instance where the hamstring has come up. Hopefully this tendon issue isn't something that's going to be lingering for some time. We'll have to wait and see, but this is, this is definitely leaving me a bit uneasy here. Yeah, especially frustrating this season, right? Because this was supposed to be the big breakout for him. He gets the number changed, goes from number 32 to number 7. We expect a big role, and it's just been uh, marred by injuries. I think it's also worth noting that even when Chris Christian Pulisic was at Dortmund, Herc, he wasn't always like a guaranteed starter. When you're at a club like that, especially in the attacking positions, you got to really fight for playing time. And when you're out, it's not just hurting your stock. It's letting other guys have opportunities, right? And if you look at the situation just with Gio Reyna over the weekend, uh, he comes off two minutes in. Julian Brandt comes on. And it's actually her Julian Brandt that scores the two goals for Dortmund in the win. So there's always competition at a club like Borussia Dortmund. And when you're a guy who's getting hurt, and in the case of Gio Reyna getting hurt quite frequently, uh, it's really going to hurt you there. So speaking of injuries to American players that we probably have a good reason to worry about, we had another one go down today in La Liga play. Yunus Musa. Herc, don't know if you saw this. Uh, he came off injured in Valencia's 1-1 draw against Rayo Vallecano. This was just hours ago. He actually started the game and played 72 minutes before exiting with what looked like I would say leg injury, but also maybe like a lower body injury. Um, tough to tell from, from what we saw on the TV. The injuries, though, Herc, starting to add up for the United States. Uh, how worried are you with this young team and all the injuries that we've seen that this might derail some of those U.S. World Cup hopes that we were talking about in the last episodes? Well, part of me says don't be worried. They're just young players finally playing, you know, full-time football, and this will happen. They will learn about their bodies. They will learn how to play through injury because all players, all athletes play through injury. 
But then another part of me says, well, this is starting to become a trend because now we've seen Weston and his was structural, right? But we've seen Aronson, we've seen Pulisic a few times. We've seen Sergio Dest, uh, Reyna, Chris Richards, Zach Steffen, Matt Turner, and now Eunice Musa. And those are the players who are very much in the mix. There's also some players who aren't in the mix, guys like Sargent and DK, who who are also injured or have suffered injuries. So it, it leaves me thinking like, man, such a talented group, such a talented generation. But I don't recall seeing so many injuries at once, so many injuries in a calendar year. Um, so maybe that could be naivety. Maybe that can be youth. Maybe that be inexperience. Mm. But it is a trend, and that does worry me. That said, we're very much still a long ways away from the World Cup, Seb. And that's mm-hmm. what I will say right now, still a long ways away. But this is very troubling. Uh, two questions. One other factor that it might be is overuse, right? I mean, the, the fact that these guys are young players who in, in this time in footballing history, we've never seen a, a schedule, right? Fixture congestion like what we're living in, in these last two, three years because of the pandemic. So these guys are being asked to do a lot. I guess the other question in terms of derailing World Cup hopes. Sure, you say, OK, well, Gio Reyna's is probably going to be healthy by the World Cup, but this could impact maybe his fall with Borussia Dortmund, right? He, he may start the season as a bench player instead of as a starter because he's not healthy. Like, you also want these guys healthy in the run-up. That's yeah. going to be a big part of how the U.S. Not, not just healthy Cup. in yeah. the run-up, Seb, but you want them playing and in rhythm and actually doing well, confident in the run-up mm-hmm. to the World Cup. And you're talking about club level. What about the national team? Level? I know there, there are a few instances, but what we know from Greg Berhalter is that Nations League team will very much be some what about what we see in the World Cup? He wants to get him geared up. He wants to get them ready. So you're leaving the door open for somebody else. Gio Reyna left the door open for Brendan Aronson, and Brendan Aronson became a, a prime contributor for the U.S. men's national team. So any of these players who aren't available leave the door open for somebody else at the national team level as well. Uh, you mentioned the word naivete before. What is there something about like young guys just get hurt easier? They're more fragile because these are all young guys. Do you learn to become more durable as you get older and older? Yeah, I don't know about durable, but you learn about be wiser with your energy, wiser with your, with your body, and and. I'll- when, I, when you're 18, when you're 19, you feel like you can run forever, right? Well, you start hitting that 29, <laughs> 30 around age, and you start realizing your body breaks down. And one year at Santos, I must have played something. This is a true story, something about 55 to 60 games in a calendar year between league play, cup play, CONCA champions, what was national team, the travel, all this uh, friendlies, whatever you may have. You had so many games. There was, towards the end of the season, heading into the final stretch of CONCACAF and what was a Ligia time, a time where I remember my body breaking down and I had to be diligent and choose like literally which sessions and which games I would play with the coaching staff. They had to split the team because you had those type of players that were playing so many games between club and national team that you had to be wise and choose what you did. All right, then uh, enough about the players, Herc. Let's turn our attention to some managers, why don't we? Because we got three CONCACAF managers right now applying their trade over in Europe, and all three of them are involved in relegation fights. So it's the fight to survive. Let's start with Leeds and Jesse Marsh, who won 3-0 on Saturday against Watford, uh, away against Watford as well. A huge result for Leeds. They are now nine points clear of the drop zone in 16th. They've won three under Jesse Marsh. That's four straight unbeaten. And how about this, Herc? All of a sudden, everybody is buying in on Jesse Marsh. Here it is. Top manager, and when after his spell at Salzburg, loads of people wanted him, lots of teams, and he was highly sought after. And then 
things happened at Leipzig or whatever and didn't quite go to plan and we're kind of fortunate to have him now and so the things that he does and the way that he brings everyone together like after the Leicester game you know when we did the huddle on the pitch mm. I saw a lot of people kind of thinking like what's he doing yeah. and even as us lads to a point were like this is a bit strange but afterwards we understood it because it was all about getting us together and getting everyone on board together and working in the same direction and it's worked yeah. and everyone's really enjoying themselves and things have picked up a lot all right, from the Premier League to the Bundesliga, Pellegrino Matarazzo Stuttgart. We mentioned this already. They fell 2-0 to Dortmund on Friday. It was Stuttgart's first loss in their last four games. Right now, Stuttgart find themselves 15th in the Bundesliga. A reminder, 16th goes to the relegation playoff. It's 17 and 18 that go straight down. So a, a tough drop there for Pellegrino Matarazzo and company. Next up for them, Mainz uh, on Saturday. But right now, at least for now, Stuttgart clear of the relegation zone in the German top flight. From Germany, we go to Spain, La Liga. Vasco Aguirre now in charge of Mallorca. They shock Atleti, the defending champions, one nothing over the weekend. Mallorca with more shots and more shots on goal than Atleti, who only had one shot on goal in the entire match. Yes, Mallorca's goal came from a penalty. Doesn't matter, uh, counts all the same. Three huge points that pull Mallorca out of the drop zone as they leapfrog Cadiz. And uh, for the moment, find themselves in safety. All right, Herc, so we got those three managers. Of the three, who do you think has the best chance at survival in what's left of the season? Leeds. Leeds, uh, it's got to be Leeds. It's got to be Jesse Marsh and Leeds. And let me just say how remarkable this is considering everything, the circumstances. I mean, one, who he's replacing, uh, such a beloved figure, Macero Bielsa, with, with the fans and with the players. Two, his sort of welcoming uh, into the Premier, uh, the Premier League with the British press, the xenophobic, uh, very much vibe going around with calling him and his accent uh, Ted Lasso. They're not like, calling him Ted Lasso anymore, are they? But they're not calling him Ted Lasso anymore. The ridiculing of the huddle, everything like that. Uh, February 28th, why is this an important day? That's when they announced Jesse Marsh. Since that announcement, only three teams in the Premier League have earned more points than Leeds. We're talking about City, we're talking about Spurs, and we're talking about Chelsea. No, I'm sorry, not City, Liverpool. Those are the teams that have earned more points than Jesse Marsh. And he's got this team playing better defensively. He's got him buying into the philosophy. They've only given up eight goals in that span, Sebi. They gave up under Bielsa seven alone, alone, to City. This is a much better Jesse Marsh team, much better Leeds team. They're buying into that philosophy. They're buying into Jesse Marsh, and you're starting to see that on the field. To your point about the turnaround, I mentioned they've won three of their last four. Before Marsh got there, they'd won three of 13. So it gives you an idea, kind of the 180 that they've been under uh, since he returned. I'm with you. I think of the three, they are the best bet to stay up. One, the win against Watford's huge, right? That's a six-pointer. You figure now Watford and Norwich are pretty much down. That leaves Everton, Burnley, and Leeds fighting for that last spot or to avoid that last spot, which is what we've said for the last month on this show. Here's the situation right now. Everton and Burnley both have two games in hand on Leeds. That's what you got to worry about, Herc. However, games in hand at the bottom of the table, they don't carry the same weight. Everton right now, five points back. Burnley, nine points back of Leeds. I think they're going to stay up. Uh, what about Vasco Aguirre quickly at Mallorca? What percentage are you giving him to keep Mallorca in La Liga? 
Ooh, you know, I'm gonna give him about 70% because I think this is, his, wow. this is his mole. Let me explain. This is his mole. What do I mean by that? This is what Javier Aguirre does. Don't give Javier Aguirre these star-studded teams. Javier Aguirre does well rescuing teams. He does well being the bombero, like he did twice for Mexico in two different cycles, like he did for Osasuna, Zaragoza, all these types of teams. Laganes, I mean, you saw what happened there. They took his best players and he was still being productive. This is the type of team, type of situation that he excels in. Seventy mm, percent. Uh, I love your optimism. I think you might be a little, a little too optimistic. I'll, I'll put it above fifty percent there for Vasco. Yeah, Aguirre. still, still the... holding and Steve Nash are friends. So I was being optimistic. There you go. Okay, you got to <laughs> give Mallorca the, uh, the the buddy discount there. I'm looking at the schedule here. Uh, they got a pretty tough run in yeah. right Barcelona and Sevilla away. However, Cadiz has both Barcelona and Sevilla away. Plus, Cadiz also has to play Real Madrid, albeit at home. Still, huge game May 8th. Okay, Mallorca, home against Granada. That could be the one uh, that's the desire. By the way, of all those teams, I think I might be rooting most for Pellegrino Matarazzo. Two-time Football America's guest. Plus, we got to give love to Stuttgart. Uh, Of course, the team that adopted Ricardo Osorio, Pavel Pardo back in the uh, 2000s. To much success, by the way, the 2007 uh, Bundesliga title. One of Stuttgart's uh, all-time highs with a couple of Mexicans uh, involved there. All right, let's uh, move on. Let's run it back, Herc. We got some some good news out of Europe. Aside from the injuries, there were some debuts. How about Kevin Paredes getting four minutes? uh, Came on late in Wolfsburg's big 4-0 victory over Bielefeld. The 18-year-old, Herc, this is a perfect moment for another one of your otro tweets. Otro! Listen, he's 18, and there's only one real left back in the pool who Greg Berhalter trusts, and that's Anthony Robinson. So, I know he's more of a wingback, I know he's more of a converted one, but, but, this could be very good for him, very good for the U.S. men's national team. Wow, and look at that. He's got the celebrations uh, down, the former D.C. United player making his Bundesliga debut. Haji Wright in Turkey, another brace. Her nine league goals now on the season for Antalya Spor. Oh, that's a sweet little turn and great little finish. And my man's still 24 years old. He's only 24 years old. I mean, it's not over, Seb. I know what people are saying, like, what happened? Cosmo, Schalke, like, wh- where did it all go wrong? Maybe it's going right now. I don't know. There's some pretty well-taken finishes. Huh? I love that one with the left foot. Switzerland, Jordan Peefock, his league leading. No, Brian Reynolds first. His first goal. What? Wait uh, a second. moving to Belgium. How about that? What's my man doing up there? And what's he doing on the left-hand side? That's right. He's playing left back in this game. He started the last eight games out of the last nine He's getting back to playing, which he needed to do. He's very much still a work in progress. He left very early from Dallas. He wasn't even a full-time player, full-time season. Back on track. Here's our man, Jordan Peefock. For young boys, it's from the penalty spot, but it is number 18 of the season. He now leads the Swiss Super League. I feel like people are giving uh, giving up on Peefock. Like, it's uh, because he missed that sitter at Azteca versus Mexico. I get it. It feels very Wando-like, the treatment that he's getting. Mm. I hope people don't go down that route. It's one game, one miss, a long road ahead of him. In MLS, another number nine, scoring goals. Jesus Ferreira, his fifth of the season, tied for the league lead. Only two games, all at home, but this man is hot. Listen, he's not your prototypical nine, I get it, but he is for FC Dallas, and he is for the U.S. Men's National Team under Greg Berhalter. He also scored last window, so that man is hot. FC Dallas, 3-1 winners 
over Colorado on the night. Speaking of American goal scorers, Christian Pulisic and Chelsea face Crystal Palace in the FA Cup semifinals. That one on ESPN Plus Sunday. Coverage starts 11.25 a.m. Eastern Time. Pasión, determinación y constancia es lo que te hace campeón y mantiene tu actitud de ride or die, baby. eBay Motors tiene lo que necesitas para darle mantenimiento a tu vehículo y para llegar hasta el rendimiento máximo. Desde sobrealimentadores, sistemas de sonido, tubos de escape, luces LED y más. Si buscas velocidad, potencia o estilo, lo encontrarás todo en eBay Motors. Con más de 122 millones de piezas, siempre encontrarás justo lo que buscas. Y con Guaranteed Fit de eBay, tienes la garantía de que tu pieza quede perfectamente a la primera o se te devuelve tu dinero. Porque con eBay Motors, quemas llantas y no tu dinero. Con las piezas que buscas, a los precios que quieres, tu auto se convertirá en el MVP que te dará el triunfo. eBay Motors. eBayMotors.com Solo para artículos elegibles se aplican restricciones. El tráfico, the LA Derby, whatever you want to call it, it always seems to live up to the hype. 13th minute, Galaxy going up through Chicharito. Good finish, huh, her? It's just a great finish because he sees Grapo coming out and he, on purpose, heads it down, tries to get underneath them. It's a great goal. So I had Chicharito to score first at plus 400. You had Carlos Vela to score anytime plus 140. Should have had one there. I should have had that one. Absolutely. This is just a terrible giveaway by Revelison. And you would bet the house on Carlos Vela finishing that. Oof. Vela does finish this, but goal disallowed. Herc, did they get it right? Yeah, they got it right. A few inches offsides, but nonetheless, offsides. 31st minute, Galaxy at a second. Sega Koulibaly at the back post. Yeah, Grand Seer, another assist. That's three in two games, and Sega Koulibaly is by himself, naked, back door. He'll finish that. Two nothing, late into the second half. Cristiano Arango gonna tap home from close range. Two one, we got a ball game. Yeah, Depew just lets Carlos Vela turn him, and it's uh, right at Bond Bond. Coughs it up, and Chicho Arango's right there for the finish. Seventh minute, second half, stoppage time. Latif Blessing, we got a late game tying goal, Herc, or do we? Uh-oh, uh-oh. I, I know for some people this is polemic, but it's not. It really wasn't. It really wasn't, says the former LA Galaxy man after the Galaxy. Over LAFC. Okay. All right, well, let's go down that road. Uh, do you think LAFC deserved a better result? Were the Galaxy truly the better team, or were they just the luckier of the two teams on the day? The luckier of the two teams on the day? Okay, uh, for a second. We spoke about this last week. Okay, we spoke about this last week, and you're like, hey, LAFC is flying. LAFC is in first place coming in. And I said, wait a mm -hmm. second, Seb. When are they not doing well and are about to play the Galaxy, and what happens? At Dignity Health Sports Park, the same thing always happens. This is the 11th time they've not been able to win in Carson. Yeah, they referred to it as Carson. Well, there's your Carson. They've not been able to win. That's seven wins now. This is an LA Galaxy team that maybe didn't have the overall strongest of the play, but they had the strongest of the moments. Mm -hmm. And this is an LAFC team that was wasteful because you see that play right there from Carlos Vela. I mean, Ravelison coughs it up. The ball comes right to him. It's a 1v1 with Bond, and he can't I think LAFC away. wins the game if he scores that. 
yeah, okay. So, what does that mean? I mean, we're gonna get into a segment later on where we're gonna talk about Chivas and what they could have done and where they're at. That's not the way it works right now. This is what works. LA Galaxy put the goals in when they needed to put them in. Okay? They were the better team in front of the net. And that's what the game's about. That's all that matters. You can say whatever you want about the referee. You can say whatever you want about who plays better in between the boxes. The only thing that matters is who scores the most goals. And it's LA Galaxy again. LA Galaxy again getting it done against uh, LAFC. And they get it done thanks in large part, Herc, to Chicharito, who scores a goal. He now is a co-league leader in MLS with five goals. He gets the victory over Carlos Vela. Do you think it's safe to say that we now have a new best MLS player in Los Angeles? Has Chicharito overtaken Carlos Vela in this rivalry? No, no, I'm still going to go with Carlos Vela, and it's not just... I thought you just said the only thing that matters is goals. What you do in front of the goal, the taca da taca da That's Chicharito, isn't it? No, 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 no. That's what I'm talking about, winning games. The only thing that matters for the people of L.A., if you want to be king of L.A., is winning trophies, okay? Neither has won a trophy that matters or that's worth bragging about. No supporter shield, none of that, okay? The Galaxy hasn't been close. It wasn't close with Slatan. They're not close right now or weren't close last year, last seasons with Chicharito. But Carlos Vela... Is historic. Let me remind you, Carlos Vela gave everybody something to talk about in that historic year. 34 goals, 15 well, assists. Three years ago. It doesn't matter. You're talking about who owns LA. This man still owns LA. Oh my this gosh, he hasn't man, played in two years. What are you talking about? How many goals he has right now? Four. Four. One less than Javier have? Hernandez, and you're ready to crown Javier Hernandez. How many does Chicharito have? Five. Okay. So should Brandon Vasquez be the king? No, because he doesn't so play in LA. So should Ada be the king? No, he doesn't like, play no, in LA. No, come on. He's got two assists. So it's four goals, two assists. We don't even know if Carlos Vela is going to finish the season in LA. So what's the question? Because if we're talking about king, there's a big difference here. Neither one has won, and you know, and that is very important to the people of LA. They only okay. love the winners. But if neither one has won. What have you done? And Carlos Vela has done a lot more in Major League Soccer. And if you're asking about preference, I would still choose Carlos Vela. Okay, he says Carlos Vela over Chicharito. Still, still, despite what Chicharito did uh, over the weekend. Let's get to the rest of the MLS weekend with the good, good the bad, and the ugly. We'll start with the good, and look who is in our good, Herc. None other than our good friends down on South Beach. Well, not quite South Beach. South Beach adjacent. Inter-Miami get their first win of the season, 3-2 over the New England Revolution on Saturday. A hat-trick from Leonardo Campana, his, uh, obviously first with the team, the first in franchise history. They do it without Gonzalo Higuain, who's definitely hurt not retiring. He's not retiring. He, he picked retiring, up a knee no. injury. Uh, good first goal. Good little second goal right here. It's a great finish with the left foot. It's the not really the nine they were looking for. That's supposed to be Iguain, but it's the goals they were looking for. They've only scored six all campaign. Three of them come from Campana. It's not only the club's first hat trick. It's his first hat trick. He's only 21 years of age. Mm, look at that scrappy one too at the light, and look at the reaction from Phil Neville. Over the moon as Inter Miami get their first oh, win Brad of the season. Yeah, man, things uh, things going south in a hurry for the New England Revolution as well. All right, so the bad, San Jose. It's got to be San Jose. They lose 4-3 to the Houston Dynamo. That's not even really the worst news. It's that they have zero wins, Herc. Zero wins on the season. Two draws, four losses out of six played so far. They are dead last, not just in the Western Conference, but in all 
of Major League Soccer. Yeah, uh, league worst 15 goals against. Uh, can we officially say that the San Jose Matias Almeida experiment was and is a failure? Can we just say that now? A failure, total failure for the entire time. Yes. Wow. Yes. Absolutely. And it's a waste of his time as well. It's a failure for both. It's a waste of his time. Uh, they've already wasted a generational talent in Chris Wondolowski. Now they've wasted a very good coaching talent in Matias Almeida. I don't know what's going on up north. You see, when you get a chance, cam into what I'm wearing. This was when San Jose was relevant. If you see it, the clash. The ugly. Sporting Kansas City. They lost 2-1 to Nashville at home on Saturday. And afterwards, Johnny Russell was frustrated and he had himself a nice little confrontation with the fans, Herc. Yeah, but why? They were just chanting, we deserve better. I mean, th this is crazy to me. We're seeing fan behavior everywhere around the world get progressively worse and dangerous things happen in the stands. And now we have a player trying to confront fans because they're saying we deserve better because they don't like the league low five goals that your offense has scored because you've got a whole two win record and you're upset at the fans for saying we deserve better. Like Johnny Russell is, I'm a huge fan of his, but what are you doing? This is just stupid. It's morning, Kansas City, 12th in the Western Conference. They've lost five of seven to start the year. Might give you an idea why the frustrations are there for both player and public in Kansas City. Let's turn the heat up on the goalies, Herc. Uh-oh. Another rendition of one is the loneliest number, and a costly edition of one is the loneliest number. We'll start with Eloy Room of Columbus. Against Philadelphia here, it's the only goal in a 1-0 Philly win. I got it! I got it! No, I don't got it. I wanted to say somebody bumped into him, but my man. Oh, mm. no. That ball wasn't even going towards goal. He puts it in himself. Ah. If Alejandro Moreno was here, he would tell us that, that was shockastrophic, shockastrophic indeed <laughs> no, from Eloy Ruiz. Don't the, give him uh, a shockastrophic. Come on. International goalie for Curacao there. All right, Brad Guzan oh, giving up a goal olimpico here. You say this is always goalie's fault. Jordi Alcibar in the 11th minute. Yeah, Jordi Alcibar, he, he hits a good ball, yes. But Brad Guzan is more worried right here about Daniel Rios, the Mexican center forward right there. And he loses sight of the ball. He himself will say that is on him. He will raise mm. his hand. This one's on me. And it was. Mm. Don't uh, don't look now, Herc. Charlotte are starting to get hot. They've won three of four, have they? Including this one, a one nothing victory over Atlanta. They're United. good at home. They're good at home. Good at home. Another good crowd as well. More MLS news after receiving preliminary information gathered by Austin FC. MLS has suspended Cecilio Dominguez pending an investigation into possible off-field misconduct. Dominguez is banned from all team activities until the investigation is complete. And as you can see here, Herc, fans making the appropriate adjustments to their uniforms in Austin at uh, Austin's 1-0 win over Minnesota on Sunday. And more MLS on ESPN coming up this Sunday. The aforementioned Sporting Kansas City and their struggles against LAFC. So a couple teams desperate to bounce back. That one's Sunday, 4 p.m. Eastern time. You can catch it on ESPN or ESPN Deportes, where Hercules and Mauricio Pedrosa will be on the call. So don't miss it. 
Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. All right, the Liga MX. And a quick, you got CONCACAF, Herc, where we have more problems with Chivas Bus. Now, Herc, you spent, what, like five or six years playing in the Mexican leagues. How many times did you have uh, bus issues? <laughs> Never. Never had bus issues, team bus issues. Uh, that's a... Uh... I don't know. She was the only team where their bus breaks down or have some sort of issue. Last time they hit power lines. Now they're, it doesn't work? I don't know, dude. We got to get the name of the company, the Chivas Bus Company, okay? Because they, they got to be under some fire next episode here <laughs> of Football Americas. What about Chivas, the team? They were visiting Toluca on Saturday. This one's 0 0 into the second half. Chivas down a man, 68th minute. JJ Macias, one-on-one, nice finish. Yeah, great little ball by Nene Beltran. The finish is very nice. He, he, look, he looks exactly where the goalkeeper is. He passes it in. It's a very smooth finish. Uh-oh. And then in stoppage time, Leo Fernandez getting the equalizer here for Toluca from outside the box. Snuck it in. Yeah, I just wanted to keep yelling, don't let him go left. Don't let him go left. Don't. But he went left. Mmm. Just sneaking it in there as uh, Toluca then, at home, pick up a valuable point in the 1-1 draw with Chivas. So this is kind of a recurring pattern for Chivas, okay, Herc? They're struggling, not just in the second half of games, but particularly very late in matches, and especially from leading positions, uh, as you can see there. Chivas, not great late in games. So the tensions are starting to spill over, huh? at the Rebaño Sagrado. I was gonna say after the game, but this was kind of during the game, so we'll pick this one up in stoppage time, right? Uh, Alexis Vega on the ball here, gonna do what you should do in this situation, right? Draw the foul, we got the yellow card, so from here you just, you pretty much kill the clock, right? Run the clock out. You're supposed no, to. Let's, let, <laughs> let's kick the ball out of bounds and give it right back to Toluca. Okay, so that's probably Probably not how we drew it up. Now, what's the reaction from the bench? Well, they're not happy. Antonio Briseño, one of your guys, he's he's pretty upset. Marking out instructions there onto the field. The guy who, uh, you know, has a big personality. We've seen it on camera before. So that's kind of the beginning of it, right? We see Antonio Briseño's upset. But then a, a little bit later, once the game is over, things kind of push on to the next level, here's, here's a little bit closer. So now we see Briseño and Cesar Huerta getting into it, and then it actually hurt gets physical here. With Briseño kind of grabbing Huerta by the back of the scruff of the neck, is that what we called it? Yeah. Yeah, the scruff oh, of the neck. Okay. Okay. So, things uh, not going great there. All right, Herc, give me, give me the lowdown here. Uh, what's up at Chivas? What's going on with this crisis? Um, and who's to blame, especially for the late game failures yeah. within this team. Really quick about that, that's Antonio Briseño being upset because you hold on to the ball with about a minute and a half left in that game. You don't kick it out for a goal kick, which directly comes right back down your throat and ends up being the Leo Fernandez goal against your team. Now, one, when Alexis Vega's on the ground and you've got two minutes to go, you milk the clock. You have players go defend him. You have players get in the referee's face. You elongate what is this time span and doesn't happen. There's like 15 seconds that go by and you play the ball out of bounds and give it to the opposition. It's a very novice team. 
it, it's, it's, it's a team right now that is novice on all levels. The player level, the coaching level, the game management, you saw they, they've dropped points in seven games where they've led. It's a late, hurt. late in the games, who's to blame? Is it the players? Because when I see a player, every player in the world knows. You're playing Sunday league. You know not to kick that ball quick. You know to take your time. Is that on the annual? Or is it the fact that we see repeated late match failures, certainly a symptom of what's happening or not happening with the technical staff? Yeah, I still think a lot of this is on uh, management and coaching because you can say this play specifically, and I'll say, you know what? You're right. They should know better. But we've seen, I think it's four or five games where there's a red card for Chivas. They leave their mm. players a man down. We, we've seen Cisneros the, in this one. Yes, we We've seen the lack of game management by Leano, and I will point out to Leon, where you go out and you get the tie by bringing on more offensive players, playing at Leon, you do such a good job, but then once you get that move right there, you get that tie, it's time to say what, you know what, this is good. With five minutes to go, maybe I put in a defensive midfielder because I took one out. Maybe I shore things up in the back and you get scored on in the final seconds of the game for still trying to go for those three points. Lanyo's a very inexperienced manager. These are very inexperienced players. And the big thing here, and we cannot, and I cannot stress this enough, is Chivas, we talk about Chivas right now because they're a popular team because they're a historic team. But we don't talk mm. about Chivas because they are a good team. Chivas doesn't have the best Mexican players in Mexican football. Those best Mexican players play at other teams. They play at America, they play at Tigres, they play at Cruz Azul, they play Monterrey. They happen to play for those teams. Santos, they don't play at Chivas. Chivas doesn't have one player right now where you could say that's the best Mexican player in his mm. position. And that's a problem. They used to count on the best Mexican players. They used to be the base of the Mexican national team. That is no longer the case. One name you know you haven't mentioned, or maybe you did, it was just quick in there, is Amaury Vergara. You know, a lot of times when you see a, and I think what we're seeing here, you see the visuals of players fighting is, is a locker room that's broken, right? Anytime you see a locker room that's broken, I often wonder, yeah, you can look at the coaching staff, they have something to do, but management, ownership, yeah. you know, leadership starts from the top. And I just wonder if the, if the rot that we see visually when we watch Chivas play late in the games, or if what we see when we see players fighting and whatever it is, uh, if maybe that is a symptom of poor leadership from the very top with Amaury Vergara. All right, let's uh, not run it back. Are you cool with it? Something from Jefferson Soteldo, okay? Of course, the man that made the move from Toronto FC to Tigres. Now, this is uh, earlier in the week against Pachuca. Everybody is warming up, and he's not. Herc, this is kind of like a cardinal sin among players, right? Yeah, I mean, especially because you're, you're losing. You know, or the game's tied at this point, and I think they were about to go down, and he's not warming up. He's a player that usually goes in. I'm sure he doesn't feel great about this. I'm sure he thought he was going to be a big player at Tigres. Uh, it didn't go his way, even though he's been a productive player when he comes off the bench. But this is strange to me. You, you could even see Ayala going up and talking to him right there. Like, come on, man. Let's go. Get your head in the game. So he's refusing to warm up against Pachuca. Uh, but then, this weekend, he comes on and he scores the game winner, Herc. Against Querétaro. Uh, this was on Sunday. He scores the game winner, but he takes his shirt off in the celebration and gets a second yellow. Here we're seeing the, the first yellow. Does that make sense? And here's uh, Soteldo, this goal. And there you have it, Herc. What do you think? Do you cut him some slack here, or is this just the dumbest thing you can possibly do as a professional? But it's, it, it's dumb because you should know you're already sitting on a yellow. There's even, <laughs> there's even a video take of, of like, as soon as he scores a goal, Pablo Vigón wants to go celebrate with him. And he realizes that his teammate, 
who they're already down a man, they're down a 10, is taking off his shirt to celebrate a goal, and he's like, no, no, don't do it. Look at him, he wants to hide. I love how they try to hide him, all the big guys. Just, yep, let's let's block him out. Maybe the ref won't notice. One is the loneliest number because goalies make mistakes in Liga Mekis too. Sebastián Jurado. Oh. Where's Jesus Corona when you need him? Oh, no. Jesus Corona is a huge loss. Sebastián Jurado, he's catching some heat right now with Mexican press. Yeah. He's catching some heat right now with the fans. He's not had his best moment. That was not his best moment. Yeah, the move to Cruz Azul was supposed to be his big move, right? Take yeah. over for Corona, big club. Uh, has not quite worked out. Friday night, Liga Mekis action on ESPN Plus and ESPN Deportes. Cholos hosting Club America should be a good one as America continues, Herc, that's right, to climb the table of late in Liga Mekis. Elsewhere, more injury news. Ugh, hate doing these stories. Charlie Rodriguez. Uh, he got hurt in Cruz Azul's 1-1 against Mazatlan on Friday. Not just hurt, but a crack in his right fibula. Charlie Rodriguez then expected to miss the rest of the season. Uh, a big blow, not just for the player, but for the club as well. Herc, just how big of a deal is this for Cruz Azul with what's left of their season? Not just in Liga Mekis, Clausura, but of course the CONCACAF Champions League as well. This is a game changer. Uh, think about the off-season trade. Uh, that was Charlie Rodriguez from Monterrey to Cruz Azul and Luis Romo, who is a highly touted Mexican player who's supposed to go to Europe and he was supposed to be the next big thing, to Monterrey. Well, you could honestly say at this moment, the team that got the better of the play or better of the move is Cruz Azul with Charlie Rodriguez's play. He's in this more advanced uh, position with Juan Reynoso and he's been scoring goals. He's been having assists. He's a much more proactive player in the final third. And he's been a better player for it. This is a player that's been moving the strings for Cruz Azul. So this is a huge injury for Cruz Azul. For Cruz Azul in season and Cruz Azul in their cup aspiration play with the CONCACAF Champions League. I don't know um, what you thought of the play itself, man. Uh, I thought it was I thought it was pretty dirty. It was right? dirty. Like it was a it, it was it was a dirty tackle. Reynoso, Juan Reynoso, the manager said, "Mala intención, bad intention." Um, on that for Charlie Rodriguez, is there is there a natural replacement for him on this Cruz Azul team that you can think of? Like for like, no. Not really, uh, right? Christian Tabo was supposed to be that player who could kind of play make in that offensive uh, scheme for Juan Reynoso, but he's been subpar this year. It's been injury. It's been not being fit. It's been uh, subpar performances for him. Uh, there's no like for like for Charlie Rodriguez. And the worst thing is his Cruz Azul play was actually making him better in the eyes of Tata Martino was giving him more stock with Tata Martino and is translating, at least in playing time, with the Mexican national team. Yeah, yeah, should be a uh, interesting to see the doors that it opens at Cruz Azul, but also Mexico. Hope for a quick recovery for Charlie there as well. Cruz Azul right now fifth in the Mexican League, but of course the focus this week is the CONCACAF Champions League, which for us, Herc, opens the door to another rendition of Book It CCL style. We got the second legs uh, coming up. Cruz Azul Pumas on Tuesday, Seattle, New York City FC on Wednesday. Let's start with Tuesday night's affair. Of course, Pumas with a 2-1 lead heading into that second leg. Her, give me a percentage chance that Cruz Azul can pull a remontada. Don't... I don't want to do percentage chance with Cruz Azul and Pumas because Cruz Azul has proven that historically they don't do well in these elimination matchups with mm -hmm. Pumas. Uh, and also, 
Cruz Azul is missing Charlie Rodriguez. Cruz Azul is also going to be missing Jesus Corona. We've talked about Sebastián Jurado's injury, or not injury, his woes at the goalkeeper position. Uh, they're also missing Escobar, uh, Pablo Escobar, who's, who's been their best pretty much player. He's been their best defender, also one of their top goal scorers. Um, and, and the center back position is a position of worry for me. It's a position of need right now. Uh, Aguilar has not been the best in that position. Cato Dominguez has lost uh, his, his starting job to Abraham, uh, who's a younger player. Uh, this is a team that right now versus a Pumas team that may be depleted themselves but has this belief. I, I, it, I honestly think it's a 50-50, which shouldn't be the case for Cruz Azul. Mm. Wow, wow. I would give I would give Pumas a little bit more than 50-50 there, but uh, okay, I'll allow it. Uh, <laughs> what else? What else? What else? We got to get your picks for the game here, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Herc, what did you take? Uh, I took the draw at plus 200. This, this is an easy one for me because I'm looking at all the worries I have with Cruz Azul. Cruz Azul who scored no more than one goal a game for the last four games versus a Pumas team who hasn't won on the road in the last seven. Uh, I think this is just screaming to be like a 0-0 or 1-1 affair. I'm picking plus 200 draw here. Mm, plus 200 for draw, which of course would mean that uh, Pumas would then be going through. All right, I'm taking Juan Dineno anytime goal score in this one, Herc. We talk about Cruz Azul, where the goal is going to come from. I don't think they've really uh, replaced Cabecita yet, have they? Meanwhile, we know with Pumas, it's going to be Dineno. He's got seven goals so far in CONCACAF Champions League. Good enough to lead the competition. He had two in the first leg against Cruz Azul, so you know he can do it. And look at look at the ways in which my man scores, okay? The ugliest of goals you could possibly imagine, uh, but I think he's definitely got another one in him as, as Cruz Azul here in this game will be, of course, forced to push forward, forced to look for goals, forced to look for that result. Should create some opportunities there for, for Pumas. And if they're going to get a goal, I think it uh, will indeed be Juan Dinan. All right, so those are our book and our choices then uh, for the Tuesday Second leg semifinal between Cruz Azul and Pumas. What about Wednesday? We got New York City FC hosting Herc, hosting Seattle at Red Bull Arena in Harrison, New Jersey, with uh, New York City FC down three to one to your beloved Sounders. Give me a percentage chance that New York City pulls off the remontada here. I almost wore the Sounders gear today, but I, I, I didn't want to hear it. You know, I want to be—I don't want to be biased here. But this is going to be. Mm -hmm. There's, there's no way it would be an utter failure, a fracaso if the Seattle Sounders don't pull this one out. It has zero to be percent chance. Zero percent no, chance. No, is that what you're saying? A, no, not zero. More like a ten percent chance they pull it out because just the, the, the way the styles the way they play uh, in an effort to go out and look for those goals they have to open themselves up and I just think Seattle has too many players they're just going to make this attract me it's going to be uh, transition football and if you play transition football with the Seattle Sounders you're going to get hurt and uh, yeah, that's what's going to happen here yeah, I think a much better chance that Cruz Azul pulls off the uh, remontada than New York City uh, FC. For no other reason than New York City FC, once again, cannot play their CONCACAF Champions League home matches actually at home. All right, Herc, uh, give me a prop. Would you pick a prop bet for this game, or what did you pick? No, no, I, I picked No, a, you, went, we, uh, you went over. Yeah, I think we may have both taken this. It, it, look. No, uh, that's not allowed on this show. It's We're not, not allowed. allowed to pick right, the same I, I, thing. I went the over two and a half. This is easy for me because New York City is going to push for that goal. But in the effort of pushing for that goal, I think the Sounders will get theirs, which will mean New York City will have to score more goals. I think this will be a goal scoring affair like the first leg. So the over here, I am taking a two and a half at plus 110. I think this is a good bet. I'd take it. Yep. I'm with you here. I'm with you. I actually also took the over two and a half goals. I go back to that first leg and it was such 
especially the first half. Maybe you would disagree, but I thought it was such a fun game from like a neutral standpoint to watch. So many chances. Seattle were not clinical. As well as they played, they weren't clinical. I think we said it could have been, you know, five, six, maybe even seven to one, uh, that game between those two teams. So I think Seattle will get their chances in this one. As you said, New York City will, will push for it. They've got to go. they got to go early. It won't be in that, you know, Yankee Stadium kind of small field, things crammed together, maybe a little more space at Red Bull Arena. Not a ton more space but a little more space, but it was so wide open that, that first game between these two. If it's anything like that, I think the over uh, two and a half has to be a safe bet there uh, for all parties involved. Surprises paying out at plus 110. That seems, uh, that seems pretty healthy overall. <clears throat> ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. U.S. Women's National Team, Herc Boy, they put on a show over the weekend, didn't they? 9-1 to one against Uzbekistan. Andy Sullivan opening the scoring in the 26th minute. Yeah, Andy Sullivan, good little header there. Oh, it's just it, Mallory P right there. It, it's track one. It, it's play after play after play. High line by Uzbekistan and the U, U, uh, United States Women's National Team just taking advantage of that high line time after time. Pugh the second, Sophia Smith the third. Sophia Smith, another one here. She had two in two minutes. Uh, and you're right about Uzbekistan, man. They did not sit back and defend. They really tried to play with the U.S. and paid the price. Katarina Macario in the 46th minute scoring. There to make it 5 nothing for the U.S. I mean, just look at how high that line is, Seb. It's just I know, it is ridiculously crazy, high. But it's, it's dangerous. Fun to watch. Uh, there's Sophia Smith tapping in for her hat trick in the 56th. 64th minute, Jalen Howell, one of those potential replacements for Julie Ertz in the middle of the field with a goal. It's a good little finish, a reaction finish, and here he goes. Here he goes, the streak is over, Seb. The streak is over. That's like two years, the first goal the women give up on home soil. Yes, Aziza Norboeva with the uh, goal off the corner kick. Ashley Hatch added one, then Ashley Sanchez adding another in the 90th minute to make it 9-1 to one for the U.S. women's national team. A couple of uh, spirit players finishing the scoring, and hey, a spirit player uh, that started the scoring as well in Andy Sullivan. History for Sophia Smith. She becomes the fifth youngest U.S. women's national team player to ever record a hat trick. Great performance there for Portland Thorns, 21-year-old. All right, Herc, uh, big takeaways from this game. We talked about it on the last show. Hey, it's against a team ranked 48th in the world. What can you possibly take away? But there were some good performances, weren't there? Yeah, and I'm thinking about it from a player's perspective. Like, this may be a juego moleto to, to a lot of different people. A game that you're supposed to win, a game that you're supposed to route. I just mentioned that, that was it, two years, 17 straight games on home soil where you don't give up a goal. You're expected to win. That's what you're supposed to do. But for some of these players, especially a player like Sophia Smith, 
you're supposed to score these goals, but if you don't score these goals and a player like Alex Morgan is scoring those goals, I mean, we talk about the youth trying to come in here. We talk about the movement. You think Alex, you think Alex Morgan cares about the youth movement or, or what the fans <laughs> or what Vlaka wants to see? No, she wants to keep being there. So she's scoring her goals at the NWSL level. So what does Sophia Smith need to do? A player like her, take advantage of this. The first, mm -hmm. the second, the third, and she missed a few in the opening minutes. So this is exactly what she needs to do. She can no longer care about what everybody else thinks. In this game, you're supposed to route, fine, but you do your business, and she did. Speaking of missing a few, Katarina Macario played 62 minutes, scored just the one goal. She had a couple chances. There's a lot of hype right now, Herc, around Katarina Macario, and it's she's worthy of it. I'm not saying that she's not, but Black Gononofsky the other day said she's got all the tools to be one of the best mm -hmm. players in the world. She's on a, a good path to be one of the best players in the world. That number nine spot, as great as Macario is, is not hers if she doesn't finish, right? You mentioned Alex Morgan, but just look at a player like Ashley Hatch, who came off the bench. She gets the, the eighth goal in that, and, you know, it's Uzbekistan, but it's a brave goal, right? She made the most of her opportunity. So I think there's a lot of competition for the number nine spot. And even though Katarina Macario is getting, like, a lot of hype and it's justifiable, let's not, let's not crown her as, as that position's number one just yet. There's a long way to go, not just to qualifying, but to the next World Cup. And I think there's a lot of other players that are going to have a say. If there's one thing to nitpick, and I know Vlad Gunanovsky talked about this after the game, it is the goal that they gave up. You talked about the end of the streak. More importantly, maybe, it's a goal off a set piece. And that's going to that's annoy any coaching staff, especially out of a tournament where you know that that could uh, make a major difference for the U.S. women's national team. Uh, which should remind folks, we got a game Tuesday between the U.S. and Uzbekistan. Uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN2, streaming live. It'll be Jen Hildreth and Julie. Julie Foudy on the call of that one from Chester, Philadelphia. Subaru Park there, the home of the Union. All right, Herc, parting shots. Remember, you were very critical of Romeo Beckham getting a job with Inter Miami 2 in MLS Next Pro. How about this? He got an assist over the weekend. I believe he now, does he lead or tied for the MLS Next Pro League lead with three assists, Romeo Beckham? What do you mean he got it? He got three assists. Oh my, what a moment. Look at three assists. Uh, okay, we, we gave him the stuff, yeah. Uh, we were critical about Romeo Beckham finding a place in his dad's team, yes. But three assists, many of them likened to what his father used to do, whipping that ball yes. in. Woo. Set piece magic. All right, let's run it back. Tecatito Corona gets his third La Liga assist. Oh, it doesn't matter if you meant to or not. Um, listen. My man Tecatito is having the time of his life ever since he left Porto. It shows you, it shows you, all you need to do is be happy in life and good things will come. A la Carlos Vela, Tecatito living his best life. There you go. All right, so uh, Tecatito with an assist. Uh, by the way, Sevilla play Real Madrid on Sunday, Herc, a game that you can, of course, watch right here exclusively on ESPN Plus in both English and Spanish. That'll do it for this edition of Football Americas. You talk a lot of trash about San Jose, but show us what you're wearing, my man. Uh, it's San Jose Clash, not the earthquake. Not the, the clash. quakes. You have nothing to do the with clash. the quakes, only the clash. But we got yeah, on Thursday, Chicharito and Shakiri. Oh, we want the cup. You're going to get no, the cup. No. A ver. A ver, I don't promise things. <laughs> I'll see you guys on Thursday. All righty. You do promise a lot.
ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. 